Welcome to Ladies Roadmap to Living Ageless. I'm Jo Jamie Tyler. And I'm Lana Helda. We're here to expand your awareness and inspire you to uncover your own ageless journey. This episode is brought to you by the Ladies Roadmap Journal. Is your life on autopilot? To Jamie, I think to have excitement in life, you have to stay curious and keep chasing your dreams. Exactly, Lana. And that's why this self-care life planning journal, it's, it's unlike any journal you've ever used before. It's so easy and it's a way to get clarity on your thoughts and intentions. Think of it as a way to jumpstart your day or you may want to wind down your day by getting those thoughts rolling around on paper and out of your head. My favorite part is getting clear on the one thing that I want to accomplish today. And I love focusing on my gratitude for the day. That's the feedback we've been getting from the ladies that have been using the journal. They've been sharing on how the journal is affecting their lives in such a positive way. Well, we created this journal because like you, all we want to do is live a fulfilled life and stay ageless in mind and spirit. Watch your life unfold as you align and direct your intentions. To get started today, purchase your life planning journal at ladiesroadmap.com. Hi, everyone. Today, we have decided to do a round two with one of our favorite guests, Sheila Darcy. And if you missed show number 36, you really need to go back and listen because Sheila Darcy, aka Sketch Poetic, she started a personal commitment to sketch daily and this transformed her life. That's right. She was a successful businesswoman and she found herself at the top of her career, but she just felt like there was more to something was more deep inside. We're going to let her tell us all about it (laughs) with no further ado. Welcome, Sheila. We were so happy to have you back again. Well, Lana and Jamie, I'm honored, really honored that you would invite me back. And so much has happened since we last spoke. So thank you for this time. Yeah, to that, let me just do one little thing, and then we want you to tell it in your own words, because you so are so eloquent and beautiful when you talk about this. Um, a year ago, it's been a little bit over a year uh, since we talked to you, and you had done over 400 days straight mm-hmm. with her, with your sketching. So if you will, for those who have not heard our the other show, kind of give us a little recap about your process, why you do it, and then we can talk about how far you've come. Fantastic. Well, I I think the simplest way to speak about it is I made a commitment to Sketch Daily to address a growing anxiety that was basically not only permeating my life, but was really affecting how I showed up in the world. Uh, And that anxiety was coming up in my fear of flying, specifically turbulence, Uh, my lack of awareness of my emotions and just the general freneticism in my life. I wasn't mindful. I felt I wasn't present. Uh, I think a lot of us that are listening or uh, are on certainly us us three, um, I I really put my entire heart and soul into work. And I really believed in what we were doing. And I ended up losing myself along the way. Uh, And I don't blame that on my work. If anything, I realized that it was a necessary evil to be in that situation because it truly unlocked what Sketch Poetic 
came to be, which in, in the way I've, I would say the nuance in the last way we talked about it, you know, initially it was a creative expression practice that allowed me to express my emotions, but has really since become a spiritual practice for me. Uh, and I have done it for over a thousand days straight. I, I recently celebrated a thousand days of daily sketching. Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I, I want to pause here because there's so much more I could speak to about what I do, but I know both of you have been following my journey and I would just say that it's really allowed my inner world to come out and how that's rippled into every aspect of my life. Well, I just want to mention to everybody that basically what happened was, is that uh, Sheila decided to make a commitment to herself to sketch. She's a very, very talented artist. And yet she had an accountability partner, which was putting it on Instagram. Yes. So I, I highly recommend everybody go to Instagram and, and, and Google and get into sketch poetic and just take a look at her sketches. And I cannot believe you do this every day. What for about 30 minutes a day. Is that how this works? Yeah, Minimum 30 minutes a day. And I'm glad you brought up Instagram because I had a love hate relationship with social media. I think many of us do. And I wanted to understand how I could use the platform uh, for good. And when I created my anonymous account at the time, Sketch Poetic, I didn't do it to gain a community or a following, if anything. It's what you said. It's an accountability journal. But I really wanted a way to connect what it was, which was the visual expression with a platform that pretty much speaks to visual communication, which is what Instagram is. It's all just imagery visual visual ways to connect with other people uh, on the platform. And so I didn't intend it to grow the way it did. But what resonated was my basically <laughs> my full expression, my vulnerability, my honesty, my raw um, openness to what it is that I was doing, which in essence was healing through my own pain and trauma of my past and, in, and recent things that I had gone through. And I didn't realize it was going to resonate the way it did. Well, and I think to that, I think if you want to elaborate how it has helped so many other people, because A, your sketches are absolutely gorgeous, but B, what you write and what you speak about, you can tell it's so from your heart and it's mm -hmm. so coming out into these sketches. And I think it's really important to tell people that you don't have to be a great artist to do this. Yeah, I mean, I would just say amen, sister, to that comment. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the biggest things I've had to really articulate to people that I meet, whether that's children, uh, other parents, other artists, non-artists. I recently did this at a prison, which we could talk a little bit about later. But one of the big things that we talk about is this idea of what I'm doing, not necessarily being called art. While that is the outcome of what I do, I purposefully call it creative expression because there are many avenues and tools that you can creatively express what's inside of your self. Uh, that could be dance, writing is a very common form, journaling, uh, music. Some people perform, some people do improv. Those are all creative expressions. Sketching happens to be mine. Uh, what I have found though is sketching isn't one that people automatically connect with expressing emotion uh, the closest thing that I'd heard at the time, even me when I started, was doodling. Uh, you know, people understood that when you doodle, whether you're in a meeting or you're doodling on the margins of a page, you're getting into a, what I call a flow or meditative state. But the difference between what I'm doing, and this is an important 
distinction and why I'm so passionate about what I do is I ask people to push past the meditation, push past the part, part where you're flowing into it, because beneath that space is actually where the discomfort lies. It's the thoughts that are running through your head. The moment you realize that you're allowing yourself to feel something that you're not normally wanting to feel because you've been pushing it down, been avoiding it, you're not ready for it. And I don't think any of us are ever ready to to confront any emotion that we're uncomfortable with. But what it's done for me is by giving it a visual expression, so by seeing it on paper, I've almost given myself permission and recognizing that emotion to live outside of me. It's instead of living within, I'm giving it permission to sit on a page. And because of that, it's allowed me to really make peace with a lot of emotions that I've avoided all my life. Well, let me stop you right there because you talked about how you get people to go to that next stage. Because let's talk about first, yeah. you're, you're doing some classes now and you're sharing. And like you said, at the prison, which I would like to talk about. But right now, how do you get people to go to that next level? It's kind of like meditation for me. Sometimes I think, yeah. okay, I'm meditating, but how do I go to that? next level? How do you get people to move through that? Lana, it's a great question. You're going to, you'll smile when I tell you my answer to that because it's a simple answer. It's a difficult way, difficult process, but a simple answer. I actually don't move you forward. I move you back. So the biggest thing I do is actually try to get you to remember what it was like to do it as a child because we didn't think about it. We didn't judge it. We didn't criticize it. And we certainly didn't over over engineer it. It was so natural to us to pick up a crayon or a pen, a Sharpie mark on the walls. You know, it, it just, it wasn't something we even questioned. It was so natural to who we are. And what has happened is over time, as we grow older and more responsibilities and, and teachers and other influencers come into our lives and then start to constrain and contain what creativity is about, we let their narrative influence the way we see it. So what when we meet, whether it's a one-on-one or in a workshop or at an event, I actually just remind people that this is something so innate in you, you just have forgotten. If anything, I'm just trying to have you remember what it was like. So it, the exercises are very simple. I, I do like an art 101 entry point of just what are these mediums? What is watercolor? What is ink? Uh, how do you use a pen? I know it sounds silly, but going back to the basics is truly how I get people to do what I do. Because the moment we are doing it and we're in our heads, we're already countering the power of creativity because creativity by nature is imagination, is tapping into this, this inner world that we as kids naturally went to all the time, but we just allowed ourselves to forget what that memory was like. Yeah. So I'm just judgment. taking it back, if anything. Mm-hmm. It's kind of well, like you I said, can, the judgment for sure always right. comes into play. And, and, I'm, and I'm just thinking here that you're in this, obviously, as you can tell, this is very therapeutic. Yeah. And so I do want to go to the part of, tell us about what, what happens when you do go to the prisons. It must be cathartic for these people. Well, so I want to tell you how I got invited to a prison because that was one of the benefits and one of the most magical things about the sketch poetic practice. The entire process of what I do is about surrendering. And as somebody that has been very achievement driven, somebody that's very performance driven, it is unlike me 
to let go the way I have. And sketching has allowed me to really understand the power of it. And the, and the ripple effect of surrendering to the creativity of it and the process is I've allowed space in my life to meet magical people. And I say magical in that these are probably people I normally, one, one I would say, would have recognized to allow myself to connect with those types of people. But secondly, I don't think I would have made room for people like Fritzi Hortzman, who is the founder of Compassion Prison Project. So our meeting was initiated by somebody that my daughter knew at her school. Her parents knew Fritzi. And because they knew about my practice, they said, you should meet Fritzi. Fritzi works with prisoners and she deals with trauma because one of the things I talk about is how my practice allows me to really explore and navigate the impact of what has happened in my life and the trauma it's created. So when I use the, when I, I think when people hear the word trauma, they connect it to something else. So first he was uh, introduced to me. We met over um, an afternoon uh, drink. And in that conversation, I was immediately drawn into her purpose and passion. She's incredibly potent when you talk to her and she invited me as a volunteer. Now, as a volunteer, you normally just go there to observe, but I couldn't help but ask her if it was if it was a potential for me to facilitate a sketch poetic expression. And honestly, Jamie and Lana, I didn't know what to expect. I went in there with the same surrender and the same curiosity I do with everything in my life right now. So I went in, and I mean, Fritzi will tell you in her story, and it's the same thing I will tell you. The love. And the capacity of these men to love is so great that you can't help but be moved by it because they aren't seen as humans. Uh, They are defined by what they did. And I am not by any means excusing or certainly commenting on on what led them there. All I can do is acknowledge that where they're at today is a traumatic space. And so I gave them a platform and a forum to express their emotions in a way that they didn't have to talk about it because in that environment, being vulnerable could be deadly. Mm. And that was really the most powerful thing for me. And interestingly, and I say this with true um, compassion and kindness, I watch these men imprisoned in these walls. And I'm telling you, I see people like that in the free world every day that are imprisoned in their mind. I can feel Mm -hmm. it and I can see it. There's nothing different than the physical space of the prison in your mind than the uh, emotional prisons that we keep ourselves in. So for me, it was no different. It was just a different location. The context was different. Right. I mean, they are still human, even if they've done bad things. I just watched a documentary on that and it's true when you get to know them as a person. Yes. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. But we've de- dehumanized uh, members of our society based on on what they've done and the evils that they have may, may have created um, or the judgments. I think judgment is a thread along a lot of these things and the shame that they carry along with it. Well, and you know, all of this is so amazing, but I kind of want to take it back to so our listeners can see that mm-hmm. this sounds like such a huge undertaking. Yeah. But it started out as something small. It started out as you, like many of us, just want a little bit more out of life. You just want to feel that much more connected, that much more fulfilled. Maybe even the connection is just within yourself. Yes. You started, you started out very small, doing your sketches. You had Instagram be your 
accountability partner. And now look at where it's taken you. I mean, you're having experiences that, as you said, you probably would have never said. So I want to make this something that other people can connect to in realizing that every journey does just start with that first small step. And sometimes you do not know where it's going to take you. Yes. um, I'm glad you are uh, navigating us to that point of the conversation. So one of the big outcomes of what has happened is uh, last year I landed a publishing deal to write a book to help people do what I do. So one of the big things that I've been called in my mind to do is allow others to use this tool for their own transformation and healing. And the reason I brought it up is the first chapter is called Leap. Because mm. you, it's the leap that is scary. It's the leap mm. and that moment when you are about to take the leap that is truly the thing that unlocks you. And the leap doesn't have to be huge. I, I, I'm so glad you emphasized that, Lana, because I guarantee you, whether you're looking at my sketches or hearing about my story today, you're, you're thinking that's the leap you have to make, but I'm a thousand plus days into it. My first leap was the first sketch. My first mm. leap was the first time I bought the sketchbook and committed to finishing every single page of that book when mm. I had a dozen sketchbooks in my garage that had 10 pages done, you know, half of the book done, and then I'd quit. Um, it was those types of leaps, the, the small commitments. And I think the bottom line is it was never about the commitment to the sketch. It was the commitment to my life coming back to me because I had lost my way and I needed to reconnect with me and reconnect with the very thing that I was avoiding, which was my emotions. I was very rational about what my emotions were. I could tell you every single moment what I was feeling, I just didn't feel it. <laughs> I wasn't right. allowing myself to feel it. I, I was rationally sad. I was rationally um, feeling shame. I was rationally feeling a lot of different emotions, but my mind was overpowering my fear of allowing myself to just Feel but, it. You know, I just love that you share all this because you guys, the, this Sheila's a little powerhouse. I mean, she's <laughs> super, so you can tell by talking to her house, intelligent she is and eloquent, and she's got this amazing job and she's the breadwinner in her household and a great mom and a great wife. And she's really got it all going on. And then yet she's opening up to all of us and telling us, but I had all these fears and I had all these anxieties and this shame. And that's the beauty of all this is that we all have these feelings. And I love that you're sharing in so many different ways. And I can't wait to see your book. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Sheila, we're so excited about this. Um, Let's go back to your your teaching now. Since we've talked to you last, you've had several workshops with uh, beginners, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. What are some of the, what are the fears that you see in some of the beginners that's picking up the pen and maybe hasn't drawn since, you know, grade school. What do you tell them and and how do you help them move forward? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, It's funny. I I was listening to a podcast recently and this is relevant, but Glennon Doyle Melton, who I love her writing and I love her authenticity. uh, She said, the deeper the pain, the more universal the truth. And I, it's really struck me as a resonant uh, truth because that's exactly how I would answer that question. There is a universal truth in how we view art that is not only, um, unfortunately, 
constraining uh, our ability to see creativity for what it can do to for our lives. But it's so reaped in judgment and criticism that was inherited by our education system. So the first thing I would say is, I think most people at one point in their lives saw the power of their own creativity and their own imagination. And I use imagination hand in hand with creativity. But what happens is either our parents, our peers, or some teacher told us that unless you make money from it, unless you can create beautiful things from it, unless it serves a purpose other than healing or helping you or making you feel the sense of freedom, then it's not worth it. And because we don't tie that worth to it, then there's a direct um, correlation to our worthiness when we do it because they're, they go hand in hand. So if we do something that we don't deem is worthy by society or by the very people we're trying to please or get validation from, then our worthiness is tied to that action. So the things I hear constantly, just even before they even started, is I'm not an artist. I don't know how to draw a straight line. I don't even know how to draw a circle or stick, you know, stick man. And then you hear from the artist the complete same thing, but it's coming from a different place. I'm an artist, but I can't as you. I'm an artist, but I'm afraid that it's going to look like this brown, yucky mess of all the colors coming together. And so what they both have is a thread of two things. One, this, this feeling that your measure of what it is you're doing is measured externally by some other force or person. And the second thing is this intense need to feel seen and to feel validated and to feel worthy of what it is you're doing. So what I have to ask people to do is to suspend all of those criticisms and those narratives. And I just ask them, let's just play. Do you remember what it was like to play? Do you remember what it was like when a color was a color and it didn't mean anything? Do you remember what it was like when a cloud didn't look like that? You know, when you think of a cloud, it has that symbol of the, you know, I'm talking about when people, a symbol of, you know, a bubble exactly or whatever. Somebody told us that was a cloud. We may not remember that point in time when that happened, but when somebody told us that was a cloud, we stopped creating clouds the way we thought clouds were were intended to look like. And that happens throughout our lives. And so I keep on re-emphasizing this point that when I do workshops, I, if I can get people to play and forget that they're creating and they forget what it looks like and just have fun. Um, and then the second thing is if I can get them to understand that playing leads to imagination and everyone has an imagination and everyone can imagine something for themselves that cannot be judged, cannot be criticized because it's your playland. It's your place that you can just dream big and explore. And so I do, if I can get people to that place, it never fails that people walk away and they just, rem- it was just like they, they smile so big because they remembered what it was like to be in that yeah. place. Do you have as many men sign up for the classes as, as women? That's a great f- question. The answer is there's more women that sign up, mm-hmm. but the, the interesting on my Instagram, the ones that direct message me more are the men. Oh, that is it's interesting. Private. It's a private conversation. Hmm. So it is absolutely, I don't think it's generalization. I, I'm seeing it in my work. Men are more likely to engage in conversations in a more private manner than publicly, hmm. but they're as engaged, as excited, and as, as interested in what I'm doing as the women are. If 
in fact, in my analytics for my Instagram, which you can find it's if you have a certain following, they give it to you. It's 50, 50 men, 50% men, 50% women follow wow. me. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. Well, so now you're still in your other, your main job. Yeah, so I, I work. I work for a product company, um, and they, you know, uh, the product is actually focused on creating visual experiences. So I do love what I do, uh, and it, it, it's not a complete detachment from mm-hmm. my my sketch poetic. But this is my true passion, my true love. So, if, if in one or two words you were to say the biggest thing you've gotten out of this whole process, what would that be? you know, um, an emotional answer comes to mind, like a, a word. I am gonna, going to re-emphasize compassion. Um, I've always been very empathetic with people. I was one of those people that would look at others. I, I, it was taught to me by my family. My mother is one of the most compassionate, loving people I know. And but I didn't understand self-compassion. <laughs> I know that sounds it's really... interesting how that works, isn't it? <laughs> it's comical, really. It is truly comical because when you're, when you're raised in an environment that's so selfless and, and an environment where it is about achieving greatness, not because of any other reason than we're given this incredible life to do that, the focus is always outside of you. Yeah. And what, what I've been, what has, this entire journey has taught me and continues to teach me, it's, it's, this is the beauty of it is I'm continuously learning. I'm in constant state of magic and awe of what, what's happening is I am realizing more and more the wealth and this richness of what my emotions represent because it's residing within the vessel of my body and it's residing within uh, the things that I cannot articulate because it's all inside. And so yeah. what has happened is that I'm, I've given myself a space to explore that and to give myself compassion to, to be not perfect, to be flawed, to have a darkness in me. And I say darkness in, in the way that there are things about myself that are difficult. There are things about myself that I do still feel shame and fear around um, but I no longer judge it or I no longer feel um, a need to put, put it away. I actually not only embrace it, but I, I see it as such a big part of who I am and why I, I'm on this earth. That, that sense of self-compassion, it's just a beautiful gift I've been able to give myself. Well, and I think that's such a great gift we can all give ourselves as we get, a, as we get older. I mean, yeah, I think absolutely. we start to, I think what you're talking about is very common and I believe that I've noticed just as I get older that I'm a little more forgiving of myself. I'm a little mm-hmm. less harsh on myself and trying to learn to uh, understand that it is okay to not be perfect. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting. Your entire podcast, which I love what, in terms of what it stands for, is this idea of living ageless. Uh, more and more women especially are talking about what it's like to be in their 40s and their 50s and their 60s and how it isn't this like end of the road, you know, uh, idea that we were raised to think. I will genuinely and 
honestly tell you, I really feel younger than I've ever felt. Now, physically, I might feel older, but my outlook and my mindset is so youthful today. It really, um, really re it, it really made how aging has always been in my mind. I, I and I'm still in that exploration of that being in my mid forties self. So. Yeah, I, I love that I have this, not only this ability to connect with you both, but I love what you're representing, what your podcast represents. Oh, thank you. Well, it just you just get more and more free the older you get and you just care about a lot of the a lot a lot of things a lot less that you that aren't yeah. important, which are not, which is nice. Yeah, and that's the other thing that I've been observing in the workshops. I've been doing a lot with millennials and twenty somethings. I am so inspired by this this generation coming because they're not only asking these questions of themselves earlier on, mm-hmm. uh, but because of the uh, richness of content and technology available to them, they're so exposed to much more. And of course, there's obviously negative uh, aspect to it. But if they're able to cut through the noise of everything coming at them and centering themselves in the questions that they're asking... I only have hope for our future. I think a lot of people feel despair right now with everything that's going on. But because of what I'm doing, I seem to be surrounding myself with people that are demanding and commanding that uh, desire to go deeper into what, why they're here and what their purpose and mission is and what causes them to do the things that, that they are doing. So they're not really living on the surface of life anymore. They're going deeper. And these are 20-somethings. Some of yeah. the most inspiring people I've, I've been connecting with are young and so wise beyond their years. I know. I We happen to have uh, children that are that age. And yes. I am in awe of... Uh, of our children mm-hmm. and you know they're the oldest is 31 and Jamie's are the same age as mine and our girls are a little bit younger and yet they are I think light years ahead in so many ways and then you know there's women out there that are doing so many great things you know Reese Witherspoon is mm-hmm. is is a good example and how she's just empowering women and and our girls are getting to grow up in this. And I think it's really exciting. And your daughter's even younger. So look out, she's going to grow up and and figure things out real quick. Well, I have an interesting question to ask you about your evolution of your, of your, of your um, drawings and your sketches. Yeah. When you started off, it was black and white. And um, in the last few months, I've noticed you starting to use color. And I just wanted to, to comment on that because my father was an artist as well. And <laughs> we he started off painting and he, we called them dead trees. He did mm. dead tree paintings. <laughs> and as he aged, his paintings became so vibrant and colorful with leaves and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to know about how your evolution has come about with using color now. Oh, it's a great question. Um, you know, what's really interesting is my evolution of my cre- creative expression has evolved with my healing. Uh, so I, I believe the reason color is becoming more and more po- uh, you know, potent part of my practice is the richness in which I'm going into my world is so deep. It's really hard to express in just a two-dimensional way, like a black and white way, or certainly just through sketching. What color does is just gives that um, inking doesn't do. 
Um, I, I don't think I'll ever go away from sketching. And, and the reason I call it sketching versus drawing is sketching by the medium definition is it used to be artists did a quick sketch to kind of just prep their larger piece. So it's like kind of that interim step. And I sketch my emotions because it's trans by, by definition is transient. No emotion on feeling is ever permanent. It's always transient. And what color has been able to do for me is it's allowed me to bridge a little bit more of that. Some emotions are much more what I call permanent, meaning they, they seem to be more present than ever. And I, you know, I'm kind of giving you a, what I call a philosophical answer to it. This is kind of how I view the, my practice, but my creative expressions match where I'm at in my journey, spiritual journey. And so because I'm going more and more deeper into what I'm calling a storytelling uh, mode. So what's happened is instead of just feeling my emotions and connecting my emotions, I've gotten to a place where I, I, I sense that there is a deeper meaning or a lesson or an insight that I feel called to express. And so I don't think it's a coincidence that color is coming into it as well, because I, I have found through talking to many people, people tend to connect better with colorful work than they do black and white. I don't know what that is, what the science is behind that. Hmm. Uh, so maybe there's a reason for that, but that's just a, a theory that I have that maybe the color is another way for me to connect with a new art audience um, in some way. Have people been reaching out to you that have loved your artwork and trying to get you to, you know, trying to consign art with you as well? Yes, it's so interesting. Just before this call, I someone asked me, are you selling your work? And this is my answer, and it's an important part of the answer, is I, I have done commissions. I choose not to sell my work because right now my number one focus is my book. I'm trying to do a better job of focusing on one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone that's know that one. <laughs> oh, it's hard. But I've been doing a really good job of focusing on the one thing uh, that I really want to put out in the world. And the book is just one of those things. Uh, and because of that, and, and this is a concerted decision that I made, because people associate art with vocation and making money, and because people associate art with making beautiful things and making things that people like and that are well-received by critics, if I start to make money from it, and if I start to put out in the world that I'm a, an artist trying to be an artist, then mm-hmm. what, I, what I'm concerned about is when the book comes out, that is the prep. That is the premise of everything. And it will completely, in my opinion, yeah. devalue what it is I'm doing, which is about art as a tool for healing. That actually matters to me more than anything. I don't really care if I make money on my art. And I don't say that um, to diminish the value of artists struggling to f- make money doing what they do. And I have nothing but compassion and empathy for how hard that struggle struggle is, but that's never been the reason I did my art or my creative expression. It was always to work through this trauma and this pain and this stuff that I just couldn't do without any other avenue to do it. And when I started to revisit the very thing that I naturally loved to do as a child and how light and easy it came to me back then, and then using it to bridge the heaviness and the hardships of looking at the stuff I didn't want to look at and how they melded together well it just it that that's where the magic was well i think it's important that you made that statement because the truth is what comes back to you is probably going to be a hundredfold 
by giving so much of yourself and by the teaching that you're doing. And I, money's great in it and we all need it and we all want it. But in the end, that connection and that giving back is so fulfilling. It is. And if I were to be completely honest with both right now in this moment and be completely vulnerable, a lot of the thing I'm, things I'm working on is my worth, my inner worth and value. Mm-hmm. So I do know it would be very complicated. It would be very complex to introduce the idea of monetizing and putting a dollar value on the very thing that right now is defining my healing. Uh, I know that that would complicate things. I just intuitively know that. So it's not just, I just, I'm sharing that not because I didn't want to seem so honorable in just the, the, the reason I'm making that decision, but unconsciously I know how layered my inner worth is with money and all the issues I have around money and, and the perceptions of money in people's lives and their worth. And that's such a deep rooted issue with me that I'm constantly working through that I, I unconsciously and intuitively know there's another that that's the, the other reason I haven't yeah. decided to sell it's, my work. It's not the place to go right now. No, not right now. And down this, the road, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, this, I'm not ruling it out. Exactly. And this book sounds awesome. When do you expect it to come out? It, uh, it is coming. It is scheduled to come out fall of 2021. Uh, mm-hmm. I am currently working with my writing partner, Rachel Smith. Um, so I just do want to give her a shout out. She's a writing partner that reached out to me through Instagram. See, this is one of those great examples of of the the magic of surrender. And she just said, hey, I've been following you on Instagram. I want you to know what you're doing has inspired me to come back to my watercolor. And if you ever want to write a book, I'm here for you. And I had been stewing about writing a book for months um, at the time. And at the time, I didn't consider myself a writer. And so I thought, yeah, you know, I'm never going to do this. It's funny how I have the same narrative of art that I did about writing that people are confronting when they try doing what I do. (laughs) But that's great. It's more fun to have a partner to do it with anyway. (laughs) Yeah. And she's incredible because what I love about her is not only is she incredibly skilled as a writer, but she is a professor at Laguna um, and she teaches... Uh, art. She teaches the creative process and she does the work and she's also going through the process. So to have a partner not only helps me edit and and guide me through the storytelling of it, but she does, she, we both walk the walk and talk the talk as we're doing yeah, it. That's great. Well, we can't wait to see what happens for you in the next year. I'm sure it will all be huge. And what you're doing is truly inspirational. We hope all of you will go and check out uh, Sheila on Sketch Poetic is her Instagram. I think you'll be amazed. And and she has a website as well. Is that right, Sheila? Sketchpoetic.com? Yeah, that's correct. That's my work workshop uh, website, but you can also go to my uh, personal website, which is all art focused, which is Sheila, S-H-E-I-L-A, Darcy, D-A-R-C-E-Y.com. That's great. And any upcoming workshops? Yeah. Um, thank you for uh, queuing that up. I am actually in the works to discuss a, another collaborative workshop with Jennifer Dumpert, who wrote a book called Liminal Dreaming, who I, I, I think I introduced you guys to. Yeah. Uh, but she is she is a woman I met at an event where I was in her classroom or in, in her session, and she was talking about this hypnagogic state where, you know, the state before you go fall asleep and the state where you first wake up? Mm-hmm. And if you could tap into that, how rich it can be. Well, when she was describing it, I'm like, that's that's what I'm doing every day. I just didn't have the words for it. So her and I are going to work together to get people into that hypnagogic state 
and and create while we're doing it. So it'll be, it's going to be, I, I am so excited. I have no idea what is going to come out of it, but it's going to be a very transformative experience to tap into that space for sure. And, and when and where are you having it? Uh, we haven't set the date yet, but okay. it'll likely be April and May. Um, in usually I host it in my home and studio oh, in okay. Venice. Okay. Yeah. okay, great. Well, we will keep everybody posted. We'll We'll post something on our Instagram as well and Facebook and keep everybody posted. But Sheila, thank you so much for coming back. You're such an inspiration. We're running out of time here. Yeah. And But we loved having you back. And everybody, please uh, check her out. And uh, just thank you so much. I'm so grateful for both of you. Thank you for the time. Yeah, we loved it. Thank you. And we okay. will talk again. Take Sounds care. Sounds great. Thank you. Bye. If you want to stay up to date with our five-star podcast, be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You'll never miss an episode and you'll see our latest tried and true lifestyle products. You can sign up at ladiesroadmap.com. And ladies, if you like our show, please take a minute to subscribe and rate our podcast because it's super important so that other women can easily find the show. You can do it on iTunes, or to make it even easier, we've put a link in the show notes on our website.